I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this is Journey to Transformation. And today we have a special segment brought to you by Lauren called What What I I Found Found on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tia. So this week I found something on Twitter and I'm going to read it to you, Tia, and I'd very much like to hear your opinion. This is reposted or retweeted by Kirsty Robson. And it reads, I spotted this near my office in Glasgow a few days ago, and it's absolutely horrific. Scotland is not immune to racism. We each need to take a stand in tackling this issue and showing that the groups that share these messages will not succeed in dividing us. And she shares a picture of a pedestrian button, a little button that you press to cross the road. And there is a little post on it, a little white post. And it says, white minority 2066. And so there is a, a thread below this. And someone has shared a leaflet or something that speaks to what white minority 2066 is. And the leaflet says, white Britons to be a minority by the 2060s or sooner. And then it says, white Britons are already a minority in London. Due to falling white birth rates and mass immigration, white Britons will be a minority in Britain as a whole by 2060. And obviously below that, there's lots of other comments and people engaging on this and lots of sentiment around what that means to different people. I'm just going to show to you the picture of the leaflet that's just cropped up in cities across the UK. And so it's just just reacting to it right now. So yeah, that is seems to be uh, blowing up Twitter a little bit this week. But before I wade in, I'm going to pause right there and uh, ask you what she thinks. I love a little bit of propaganda from a kind of humor perspective, because I think if you don't laugh, you'll just cry. <laughs> yeah, you know, repurposing those images. Like those are images from when we were having a massive, I mean, we're still in a refugee crisis, but repurposing those images for the benefit of fear mongering for something that's not real. I replacement theory is just something that I just can't <laughs> really, really get behind for obvious reasons, right? I think that it feeds into real paranoia though. But if you look at the actual population rates, like you're going to be fine, Lauren. I don't know what you're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to clarify, I have nothing to do with this leaf. Did you retweet that? <laughs> I did not retweet this. <laughs> I think that there's been a kind of paranoia and uh, propaganda that's been inflamed by far right that we should be afraid of brown people. Like that's kind of what's being said, right? Like, look at the picture. It's, it's a bunch of brown faces. And I don't particularly think that there's, I don't know, it doesn't surprise me as much. I thought that what you were going to read out was something that was going to like shock me, but I guess, and it is not a bit sad. <laughs> I'm just like, well, yeah, because this is the kind of propaganda that gets pushed out. Like this is very much a foundational piece of my PhD research, hot plug for my PhD, is far-right rhetoric that just fans the flames of otherizing and fear. And, you know, we should be worried because there's all these brown people, they're going to take our jobs. Like that was a real line and continues to be repeated, particularly in the States, so much so that it's kind of become like a caricature. (laughs) Because the reality is, is people in the States who are, you know, this idea of like taking our jobs, people who are coming in as asylum seekers, refugees, or as undocumented workers, they're doing the jobs that desperately need to be done, but that people don't really want 
to do. You know, there's a really great show called uh, A Day Without a Mexican that talks about what it would look like if there were no Mexicans in America anymore and how every single industry would effectively collapse. I'm not massively surprised. People's fears are people's fears, whether I think they're grounded in reality and truth. I don't think we can live in a world where somebody's fear I can just disregard because I don't understand it or I don't also have that fear or I have that fear, but from a different perspective. I don't think we get anywhere or advance any kind of conversation when I'm like disregarding and saying that it's just, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy talk. We can't really advance any kind of meaningful discussion or engage in a meaningful way if I view holders of beliefs that I don't hold as inferior to me in some, in some fashion. I don't think we can get anywhere. I think we just like further entrench ourselves in worldviews that then kind of create less social cohesion rather than more. But yeah, when when the uh, Brown Army comes and takes over, I promise to leave a guest spot for you on this podcast. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, I have huge admiration for that grounded view. And I think what you're kind of touching on behind a lot of this rhetoric as well, and it's in the news a lot at the moment, is lefties, liberals, whatever you want to call them, are reinforcing their own worldviews and are just kind of, you know, sticking to uh, what they know and the, the evidence that reinforces their point, really. So I think you make a great shout for balancing and understanding and not deprioritizing or not saying that other people's worldviews are less than your own, even if they are completely different. Bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a bit more diplomatic. I mean, I can hear these views <laughs> and in my mind have my opinions about them, but I don't let them know that. They're yeah. not listening to this podcast anyway, so it's fine. Not yet. We're going to get like a whole um... <laughs> slew of right-wing extremists. <laughs> mm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I know that the whole, like, what, what are you going to do for your followers? <laughs> like, uh, is, that... is that our strategy? <laughs> <laughs> that... I don't know. Is that our target market i mean maybe if the idea is like converting listeners converting <laughs> yeah i mean i have a gay agenda it, <laughs> the propaganda around the gay agenda is real everyone sorry <laughs> i hate to tell you i guess what isn't surprising is that you know these things come around when elections are happening and mm. different propaganda comes up so you know we've definitely between us seen this before but what i do think is interesting when i see this kind of thing is the date they put on this, you know, like by 2060 or sooner, you know, because that kind of incited panic of, oh my God, it's like in my lifetime, you know, <laughs> I don't know how far away, 40 years from 2060. So I think putting this timestamp on it, I find curious and it kind of inciting that panic, I suppose. It's a, you know, anytime you put a doomsday clock on something, it freaks people out, right? Like mm -hmm. the next step from this is like an online calendar that just works itself backwards <laughs> by year, right? It freaks people out because you're looking at it backwards because I do the same thing when I'm talking about climate change, for example. I'm like, mm. the earth is going to be uninhabitable. Put a clock on it, show people that clock, have it ticking backwards and you confront your mortality, you confront your fears, you're hearing it tick through your life. So I get I get it. I mean, it's a tactic I use, so I can't <laughs> really like put a timestamp on it. It freaks people out. Like it's a good strategy. Doomsday clocks work because it gets people thinking about, oh shit, that's like not that far away. You know, as a strategy, in terms of a campaign strategy, it's good. 
And yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I'm just curious, was this 60 years ago? Did someone say 2020, like everything's going to be taken over by, you know, non-white people or whatever. But are those people still alive now? And they're like, oh, hang on a minute. 60 years ago, they said this is going to happen. And here we are again. Where's that thinking with the doomsday clock? It's the end of times. You know, people who are like 2020 is going to be the end of the world. Just you wait. And then it doesn't manifest. It's sort of like um, all the QAnon followers. Okay. And they're like, Donald Trump is going to be reinstated into the presidency on this day. And it doesn't happen, of course, that, because what? he lost. <laughs> but they have such a devout following that they just say, oh, you know, oh, the algorithms were wrong. Oh, we read the tea leaves a little bit. We actually meant this. And because you're so committed to that belief, it doesn't even matter if you're wrong, right? Like this is why fake news is so dangerous and why misinformation is so dangerous and so scary is because if you believe something hard enough when confronted with fact, if there's disagreement on what is factual, then how do you even have a conversation that walks a person back from their ideas? They'll they'll take anything. There's that old uh, saying, I've already made up my mind. Don't try to convince me with facts. At this stage, people are in disagreement about what a fact is. And probably there's a whole conversation around like echo chambers and social media and algorithms and how that influences people's conception of reality. It's actually really terrifying because people are disagreeing on what is real. We can talk about deep fakes. We can just go a thousand years into this because I'm actually terrified that, you know, the most precious thing to me is what's in my head and what happens in that space. Obviously my family is very precious, but what is in my brain and what information goes in there. It's how I make sense of the world. It's how my choices are decided. It's everything to me. And if what goes into my head is different from what another person's, what's going into another person's head so that we can't look at the same thing and see the same thing, it's horrifying. Horrifying, but also how humanity works or how humankind works. No, I completely agree. Maybe the terrifying piece is the amount of information and things that can inform that versus maybe I don't know, 20 years ago where you just had a tree of knowledge book and all of you read the tree of knowledge book. <laughs> and and so, you know, that that was kind of a your source. Is that an actual thing? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, tree about. of knowledge. They're great books. My parents have them. Really big, like old <laughs> encyclopedic books. But anyway. Okay. No, but I agree with what you're saying and that we've all had different perceptions of the same experience, right? There's like really famous play called Rashomon and it's about a bunch of different people who see the same thing, but have different perspectives of what happened in the same story because they saw different parts of it. So like perception is not an issue to me. Like, and I value differing perspectives. It's about an argument around fact and that people's perception and people's deciding of what facts are, are being influenced by fake things that people are creating. So that now what I look at is I believe that something is factual. I can't, how do you go around that if you've been fed that this is true, this is true? Like the earth is flat, the earth is flat, the earth is flat. If somebody came around and just pummeled you with stuff that you then believed, the second somebody said, well, no, actually the earth is round, like this is true. Now you're having a philosophical debate about truth and you can't it's not perspective anymore because fact is now up for disagreement so i guess to a certain extent i do agree with you that people's perceptions of things and how things happen have been different but if you can't now even find agreement on facts and truth that just feels really chaotic to me 
So I dare not open my mouth next and start talking about the Bible and history. But um, well, you have a podcast, so people want to know what you think. What is our final words on this post? Yeah. As a campaign strategy, I think it's fantastic. So they've put it in a place where people have to interact with it. It's visible. It's shareable. It's got a recognizable image that creates the feeling of concern. Although I think that's a stock photo. So I'm just hoping they pay the royalties on it. And I think that putting a doomsday clock on anything gets people's attention, but also it's propaganda. It is a way to manipulate how people feel and the concerns that people have around immigration at a time when we need more reform. We need more acceptance. We need less otherizing um, because the refugee crises that we've, you know, there's what 70 million refugees at the moment. That's a lot of fucking people. And the more we create these divisions and these fears and manufacture these fears, the less social cohesion we have as like a society of people, let alone British people versus anybody else. Like just as a human population, we create more fissures within our societies that have intergenerational repercussions. So yeah, to the creators of that garbage cut it out that's my final word excellent i think that's a very great note to end this on thank you Tia, for sharing your opinion on what twitter is talking about today <laughs> until next time until next time i'm Tia. i'm lauren Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal. 